Alicia Holdaway, your 2020 board president. Mike Morgan, uh, board of director, Salt Lake Board. Dave Fredrickson, past president, Salt Lake Board of Realtors. Okay, we are yet again here to discuss code of ethics. Um, we are continuing the conversation about NAR's code of ethics. Um, you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, the code of ethics is what um, separates us from a, a licensee. You know, the code of ethics is what we have subscribed to and really what uh, makes us incredible professionals. So I just appreciate, uh, we all appreciate you, you tuning into these uh, podcasts. Um, it shows, you know, how, uh, how driven our realtor members are to continue educating themselves. You know, as we discussed in the previous episode, Sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, there's no Ill, Ill intent. It's just a, a matter of not knowing. Uh, but when you know better, we can do better. So uh, we're here to continue that conversation so we can be as professional and as educated as possible. So today we are going to discuss Article 6. And Article 6 states that realtors shall not accept any commission rebate or profit on expenditures made for their client without the client's knowledge and consent. When recommending real estate products or services, i.e. homeowners insurance, warranty programs, mortgage financing, title insurance, etc., realtors shall disclose to the client or customer to whom the recommendation is made any financial benefits or fees other than real estate referral fees that the realtor or realtor's firm may receive as a direct result of such recommendation. This is an interesting one. Let's, uh, let's talk about when this shows up in practicality. Um, what does this look like in real life? I used to talk about um, this is kind of like a CYA rule, uh, cover your agency. Um, you, you should. Is that what that should, really stands for? Yeah, that's, that's the way I read it. Assets. Uh, you you should you should never put yourself in a position where your client questions your agency, and and when I say that, there there was a company, and it's absolutely legal. Uh, there was a warranty company that used to pay the agent, uh, you know, x number of dollars for filling out the forms on a home warranty thing, and and. You know, there there was a situation where an agent, or excuse me, a buyer of a property filed a claim on the home warranty, and and it was denied. And they said why? And they said, well, it's a pre-existing condition, and we'll use my name here. And they said, you know, Dave should have explained that to you. That's why we gave him the X number of dollars. Well, it puts the the client in a position. Did Dave sell me that warranty because he made the extra money? or did he sell that warranty because he represents my best interests? And anytime you have a client get in a position where they are questioning why you did something, you should probably rethink doing it or at least be fully disclosed on why. I'm referring you to this roofing guy because he brings donuts to our team meetings or he, he uh, you know, su supports our whatever. 
that's probably something that should be disclosed. And it's also a, a protection of you. If, if you hire or if you refer one of anything, if there's a bad relationship between your client and that person, not only do you affect your relationship with your client, you subject yourself to some liability. Um, uh, a home inspector misses something. Well, the only reason I hired him is because they've told me that's who to send to. So you would probably want something in there saying, you know, here's the extent of our relationship and that's protective. Article six basically says we can't accept it without their knowledge and consent. I think more protective would be have the knowledge and consent prior to and, and eliminate that conversation. Choose one of them, choose one of your own, but we need this fixed, we need this covered, we need whatever. CYA. I, I always think of that um, covering your assets theory. And that, uh, that story about the home warranty company, that always comes to mind, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as I read that, that article. And um, I, I don't think of a lot of other issues, but they have come up recently ever since the legislature passed the law regarding title companies uh, uh, that are allowed to work in and with uh, real estate offices. So you see a trend towards a lot of uh, business models where they're trying to be a one-stop shop. In that instant, I think agents may unfortunately get caught up in this trap because they're typically is an interest, a contemplated interest or a uh, benefit to the agent or the brokerage. And Alicia mentioned this earlier that the relationship um, between the client is, um, is specifically in writing as a relationship with the client and the broker. So if they're making money off of recommending their title company, their home warranty company, so on and so forth, um, I, they need to make sure there's a written disclosure so that it can be uh, authorized by the client. However, <laughs> I don't like the idea, like Dave was saying, because here, use this company I'm recommending because I'm going to make 50 bucks off of it because I'm really concentrating on $50 rather than you know, looking out for you. I, I, I don't like it in general. I don't like the agents to be in that position. Well, you know, and, and, and again, you bring up the title companies and full disclosure, we have one in ours, but, but it's, it's not even that. I mean, you need to disclose the relationship, but I've got relationships with other title companies developed over the years, and this is not a negative on them using title companies as an example, but, but, you know, even, even when it comes to title companies or mortgage companies, there are RESPA rules as well. So, I mean, that disclosure has to be put there anyway. Um, I'm, I'm not even talking those. I'm talking the electrician. I'm talking Mike's brother is an attorney. And if I refer somebody over to Mike's brother and Mike gets a spiff for it, that's what this is about. If you read the case studies on Article 6, they use property management as an example a lot, uh, where property managers you know, uh, are charged $50 for this particular part and they write it up 10 to 15% and charge their client 65. Those are the things any profit made on expenditures for your clients needs to be disclosed and agreed to in writing prior to that expenditure. It can't be a, you know, ask forgiveness type of thing. It's an ask permission type of things. 
generally in property management, that type of disclosure is in the property management agreement, hopefully. But if those uh, property managers are members of the realtor organization, once again, we've got the code of ethics protecting and holding our business to a higher standard. Yeah, and I think also it just comes back to, um, you know, Dave, you mentioned, I think it was in the previous episode, just going back to the definition of fiduciary. And what does that mean, right? And if we're looking out for the best interest of our client above all else, well, that includes ourselves. And so, you know, it's important to go back to the, the just questioning, um, why wouldn't you disclose? If, if, there, if there's a hesitancy to disclose, there's probably an interest that you're putting above your clients, I would argue. Otherwise, why, why not disclose? I mean, I have my, I think we all have, we lean towards certain title companies, certain escrow officers, roofers. I have a roofer that does a dozen roofs for me. All, you know, I, I mean, but why? Because he does a really good job and he, he's honest and integrous and doesn't overcharge and he does a great job. So, um, but if I was getting a kickback every time, then suddenly my interest is quite come into question, right? So I just think at the end of the day, what are we really talking about with this article? It's, we all are going to kind of gravitate to our favorites because there's relationship and communication and they do a good job and we know what we're going to get and we're putting our, our clients into the hands of people that we know are going to get the job done. But that's looking out for their best, best interest. As Absolutely. soon as your interest gets put above that, A, I would question that, but B, even if there is some financial benefit, if you question disclosing that then you're probably in the you're doing something wrong the, the funny part about and and mike once again refers to to the the home warranty um issue and the 50 dollars. okay think how i i'm i'm a real estate agent and i'm a realtor and i want to be your realtor for life i want to establish that relationship or whatever if i do a transaction and I were to say, for example, back in the olden days, this is a $350 home warranty. Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, they pay me $50 to fill out the forms. I'll waive the $50 and sell it to you for $300. I think this is something you should have. $50 back in those days would buy you a decent dinner. $50 today won't even pay the full bill on a fast food you know, claim. So, I mean, the, the amount of money is negligible, but what statement is it saying if this referral is planning to give me something, but I want to be your agent to life, I'm willing to pass that savings along to you. This is something I think you should have. That is a statement that is empowering and 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 will make you their client for life. And and like I say, a lot of agents get caught up in the short term, the 50 bucks or the 20 bucks or he's he's printing my flyers or he's doing whatever the long term is the client for life. And that's what true professionals are looking for. Not just the one and done, but the client for life and the referrals that those people can be and and the service that you can provide for those referrals and pass along a thank you. I mean, that's building a business, not doing a job. Yeah. A good example of um, this I've noticed with uh, builders, because you guys realize a lot of uh, 
agents that work for builders are realtors and they uh, uh, follow the code of ethics really clearly. And uh, agents that are showing properties to their buyer clients come across these builders that say, you, we, we want you to, or we suggest that you use our preferred lender. And uh, you'll notice that they have been smart and have created a written disclosure showing their relationship. And uh, the good ones, of course, show their benefit, uh, how they benefit, but uh, they, they do have that in there in a written disclosure. So um, it's also I think they're trying to protect in that. Their contract. Pardon me? It's oftentimes buried in their contract, too. No, it's not buried. It's right there very clearly on page 231. <laughs> yeah, exactly. towards the bottom. They had, there was a lot to it, so they had to print it a little bit smaller. No, we can't have that sarcasm in this box. No, it, and it actually is. It's a good thing. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, I, you know, um, once again, trying to not make it about me, but I've got this family that I've sold a lot of houses to. And I look back at the very beginning of my career when they actually needed a lender. And had I referred them to my lender and had they had a personality conflict with that guy, look at all the business that I could have possibly lost because I just referred that so I don't want to be, you know, I want to surround myself with a good team of good people that will provide my people best, you know, services and everything else. But at the end of the day, I want it to be my client's decision on who exactly they choose. And I don't want to push it because of a personal benefit. If you choose anybody on my referral list, I think they're going to do you a good service but choose one of them or choose one of your own. I really don't care, but we need to get this done is the message you need to do. I want to be a resource for them, not the source for them. That's a good reminder. Be the source to the source. I like to refer um, people that are quality, uh, like Alicia was talking about. And then you can certainly tell them, yes, there's a benefit to me. I know you'll be well taken care of. Of, and that's what's important to me in this transaction. And if you use this, you pick any lender you want. However, I'm recommending this one in particular because they get the job done. So you interview them, choose which one you want. And that's my personal interest. And that is having someone that I know for a fact that will take good care of you. And so I, I think that's okay. There was, uh, when, when we go over that, I know this is not the code of ethics, but in our buyer broker agreements in the ERS, our agency, our written agency agreements, they state in section six to not rely upon the company or the agent for recommendations of third parties. I think I would circle that. And, and when I had my client sign in order to start the conversation about how it is up to the client to choose, in the event anything comes up where you do have an interest, there's the time to stop and disclose that and have it taken care of and off the plate. Yeah, I'm going to read standard of practice because this is essentially what we've been talking about, but just so that we have it out there. Um, standard of practice 6.1, it's the only one in Article 6, says realtors shall not recommend or suggest to a client or a customer the use of services of another organization or business entity in which they have a direct interest without disclosing such interest at the time of the recommendation or suggestion. So again, this isn't a, like you said, Dave, go back and ask for permission, or I mean, forgiveness type of thing. This is disclosure upfront. So. Absolutely. 
So let me ask you this question. Um, how do you think this affects the situation where, let's say my wife uh, is not a nurse. Let's say she's a lender and she works at um, the ABC mortgage company and I find a potential buyer and I suggest that they use my wife for the lender. I've seen disclosures of, you know, once again, um, I want to stay as far away from the line as I can. And that is going to be my, my guiding light. And I have seen agents disclose that their spouse is the lender. I've seen agents disclose that, you know, the roofer is my brother-in-law. I've, you know, and once again, I would rather than disclose something ridiculous than not disclose something even remotely report important clients. So, you know, uh, when in doubt over disclose, you will never be sued for over disclosing. You will never be before a, a pro standards for over disclosing unless it's a breach confidentiality claim in which case, you know, but, but what I'm saying is you, you won't get called to the carpet for be, being overly concerned with the other person making full decision with full information. And, and going back to, you know, Mike, when you talk about um, a family member, even, you know, even if it's not as immediate as a spouse or partner, um, a family member, it goes back to the previous episode. Rob started the conversation by talking about, you know, what if I technically am not the principal of the, the transaction, but because it's my wife, I have a quote unquote interest. Um, I, I, we sound like broken records here, but um, if there's a question, then disclose. But I think this would fall on the top of the scale of importance um, of disclosure when, you know, if it's the home warranty company or the title company or the mortgage company, like primary components of a transaction to get to the closing table and across the finish line is your spouse or partner or, you know, family member that better be disclosed and upfront, you know? So what, what, what are they going to say if they find out after we're done that that was my wife or my daughter or someone that was close to me that handled that part of the transaction I, and I didn't tell them. I think that most people would be extremely upset. And that's pretty easy to figure out the right thing to do in that circumstance. And they would probably follow that concern with, I wonder what else they didn't tell me about. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and once again, you know, CYA. You know, uh, making sure that my client is making their own decision based on information that is as full as I can deliver to them is, is, is not only in their best interest, but it's in my best protection. Yeah. The, advi the advice that you gave earlier, uh, Alicia, is the answer to uh, handling this, this particular article correctly. You said that you like to follow up with an email. And if you had that discussion in person, I would write that email afterwards. It was great to talk to you today. And um, I'm glad we had a chance to discuss the fact and make sure that you understood clearly that my wife is the lender in this case. And of course there's an interest because it's gonna increase my family income. Uh, as long as me and my wife get along, of course. 
but uh, that's that's really important. And um, when you talk about some of these articles saying that you have to do something in writing, it is, I don't know if it necessarily falls under the um, statute of notice that's agreed to in a contract where that is defined by um, a, a different set of standards. I think that you're, if you do it in writing, you can prove it, you can show your email. I, I think you've gone to the point where you need to go as long as you had a good discussion about it. And remember, if there is a form for it, a UAR approved form yes. for it, use it. Absolutely. Cool. Or that form that's in the middle of the new build contract on page what, Dave? Cut and paste, 152. Okay. Well, thanks guys again for a great discussion. Um, I certainly appreciate your contribution to our industry, continually helping our agents understand and wrap your heads around the code of ethics. I mean, I'm going on 12 years as a, a licensed realtor and I mean, it's like continually, okay, what is article six? Um, I, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't go to bed reading the 17 articles each night. Well, you two probably do. What? <laughs> I've fallen asleep with them running through my head before, but it's not <laughs> intentional. <laughs> but your, your level of understanding and then willingness to volunteer your time to really help other agents, um, you know, increase their understanding is appreciated. So thank you. I appreciate you. you. You're doing a great job, Alicia. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, great host. That's, um, I think we should give her a hand. You did a great job. <laughs>